0: You may remember on June the 12th, 1987, President Ronald Reagan spoke in front of the Brandenburg Gate at the Berlin Wall. And in his speech, he issued a direct challenge to Mikhail Gorbachev, who was the leader of the Soviet Union at the time. Here are the best-known words from that speech. He said, General Secretary Gorbachev, If you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. 29 months later, Mikhail Gorbachev did allow the Berliners to destroy that wall And soon after that, the Soviet Union collapsed. Tear down this wall. Poet Robert Frost once said, Something there is that doesn't like a wall that wants it down. Long before the Berlin Wall, there was another famous wall, the Great Wall of China. This wall was actually begun some 500 years before the birth of Christ, And much of it still stands today. It was built and rebuilt over a period of time of 1,100 years in order to keep the invading armies from the north. Building a wall of this length and magnitude over mountain peaks and precipices and ravines was an undertaking unparalleled in human history. At its peak, the Great Wall of China was guarded by more than one million soldiers. It has been estimated that somewhere in the range of two to three million Chinese died while building this wall. And since the people who died while working on the wall were buried underneath it, the Great Wall of China has been called the largest graveyard in the world. But it did did its part. It gave the Chinese a measure of security. However the wall was perhaps a mixed blessing. Because you see, at times in Chinese history, the Chinese have sought to wall themselves off, not only physically, but also culturally and intellectually from the rest of the world. And they have paid a price for that insulation. As recently as 1820, China accounted for 33% of the world's gross domestic product. And then barely 100 years later, the tables were turned. China accounted for only 9% of the world's gross domestic product. And the primary reason for this eclipse of China lies in the fact that the Industrial Revolution of the 19th century, which made Europe and America rich, almost completely bypassed China. For the first time in several thousand years, China fell behind the rest of the world in development, and they're still trying to catch up today. Something there is that doesn't like a wall, that wants it down, said Frost. Be careful when you build a wall, because walls can destroy as well as protect. Pastor Jerry Locke tells about a time when he was asked to be with a a man's family at the hospital while the man was undergoing uh, surgery for cancer. Tom Field had raised three girls and then he and his wife divorced. Later, he married a woman named Betty. And Betty loved Tom and was a good wife to him, but Tom's three grown daughters refused to recognize Betty as their father's wife for years. And that day when Pastor Locke walked into that hospital room, the the spirit of bitterness and tension was so real that it could not be ignored. And so Locke greeted everyone in the room and shook their hands, and then Tom asked for him to pray And that day, Locke prayed a prayer that he had never prayed before, nor has he prayed since. Here's what he said. He said, Dear Lord, you know the need that Tom has as he faces this surgery for cancer. But Lord, before we ask you to do anything for Tom physically, I pray that you will deal with the cancer of bitterness that has destroyed this family for years. Well, by that time, Locke was watching and praying, wanting, kind of wanting to back towards the door because he didn't know how the people would react in that room. But when he closed his prayer, he, he looked up and everyone in the room were in tears. They were crying. And when he said amen, those three daughters moved across the room and for the first time, they hugged Betty and asked for her forgiveness. Be careful when you build a wall. For you see, walls can destroy as well as protect. The Apostle Paul knew about walls. In our lesson for today, he writes that Christ has broken down the wall of hostility. He writes this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, the wall that Paul was referring to here was a literal physical wall. It stood in the temple of Jerusalem. It was about three or four feet high, and it ran through the court of the temple. And the purpose of this wall was to to keep the Gentiles from entering into the inner court, which only Jews were allowed to enter. So as you can tell by this, it was a wall of discrimination. It was a wall of racial and religious discrimination. And Paul calls it a wall of hostility. Something that separated people from one another. Pastor Ray Steadman tells tells us that in the year 1871, archaeologists digging around in the temple site in Jerusalem actually uncovered the stone that marked that wall with this warning. And these are the actual words translated from both the Hebrew and the Greek. No man of another race is to proceed within the partition and enclosing wall about this sanctuary Anyone arrested there will have himself to blame for the penalty of death which will be imposed as a consequence. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having a sign like that posted at the front door of a church? No Gentiles allowed or whatever. Fill in your own blank. I've never seen anything like that, but I did see a church one time with a chain-link fence around it, all the way around it, complete with barbed wire on the top of it. But folks, let me tell you something. People are still building walls of discrimination today, even within the church. Walls of hostility. But Christ is saying to us, Tear down this wall. Paul was referring, of course, to the wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, but he was also referring to the wall that separates humanity from God. His words in Ephesians are not easy for us to relate to, but but listen to the, the rest of this passage. He says Christ's purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity in place of the two, in place of the Jews and the Gentiles. He wants them to make one new humanity, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility. He came and proclaimed peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by the Spirit. Now, that's not an easy passage for us to follow, but but here in a nutshell is what Paul is saying to us. Here it is Christ came to bring reconciliation, Christ came to reconcile us to one another. And to God. But let me ask you something. Doesn't it amaze you that, that here we are 2,000 years after Christ came into the world. And the world should still be filled with so much hatred and so much prejudice and so much hostility. Doesn't that amaze you that, that we haven't learned anything from Christ in these 2,000 years? Can we not see the insanity of humanity's inhumanity to mankind? Why must we hate? Why must we kill? Why must we discriminate? Why must we judge? Why must we think of ourselves as any better than anyone else? It is absolutely contrary to God's purpose for our lives. Christ's prayer for the world was that we all be as one, as he and the Father are one, and yet we are still building walls. There are still many veterans in our land who bear scars from the Vietnam War. Not only physical scars, but emotional scars. They served their country honorably, but they came back to a nation that was divided. No heroes welcome. Instead, many of them were jeered and scorned. And many of them, many of the veterans themselves, already had their own doubts about their role in the war, which made it even more difficult for them. William Willimon tells about hearing a man, a U.S. pilot in Vietnam, tell about his experience in that conflict. He told about bearing down on a Vietnamese village to drop his bombs. But as he pushed through the clouds, he caught a glimpse of a church. And the man said, it must have been Sunday because I could see a crowd of people entering the church in the village. It was only a glimpse, but, but I could see it clearly. They were Christians. Nobody ever told me that Vietnamese were Christians. It could have been my own hometown or my own church. They looked just like me. They worshipped the same way I worship. Nobody told me. Folks, you don't deal with memories like that very easily. And many of our veterans still carry emotional scars. But the fact is, I don't think I have to tell anyone here, war is hell. And that's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Our scripture for today tells us that Christ came to bring peace. Christ came to reconcile us to one another, and he also came to reconcile us to God. Frederick Beekner was driving in Manhattan one day, and he saw a building covered with graffiti, and scratched in the middle of that graffiti was that familiar phrase, Jesus saves. Well, at first, Beekner was embarrassed, kind of offended him that somebody would write that out there in public kind of made him angry but the more he thought about it the more he realized that what bothered him the most was the whole point of the gospel and that was having to admit that he needed saving and that some guy named Jesus was the one who could do it and you know it can make us uncomfortable talking about our need for Jesus can't it you know we we, Think about those little signs Jesus saves on the side of the road and things like that. And and this is kind of the language, more the language of a tent revival preacher hitting the sawdust trail and pleading with people to give their hearts to Jesus. But folks, let me tell you something. Even without the tent and without the, the sawdust, I need to say to you today that you do need Jesus. We all do. For you see, we will never be reconciled to one another until we are first reconciled with God. And that is so important in our lives today. In the 20th century alone, somewhere between 100 and 160 million civilians lost their lives in massacres of some kind. That's an average of more than 3,000 innocent deaths a day. And the pace has not slackened in the 21st century. Statistically speaking, the world is full of hatred. And there is is no problem that is facing us today that is of more importance than this one. But how shall we be reconciled to one another without first being reconciled to God? And how are we to be reconciled to God? Well, Paul tells us, That it's by the way of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's how we are reconciled to God. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's how we're reconciled to God. There's an amazing video clip on YouTube by an evangelist named Louis Giglio. Some of you may want to look it up when you get home, but it's about laminin, laminin. Anybody know what laminin is? Laminin. Here's the uh, scientific explanation of laminin. Laminins are a family of proteins that are an integral part of the structural scaffolding of base membranes of almost every animal tissues. You got that? <laughs> you want a simpler explanation? Here it is. Laminins are what hold us together. Literally. They are cell adhesion molecules that hold one cell of our bodies to the next cell. And without them, we would literally fall apart. Louise tells us that it's... Or... or uh, uh, Lewis tells us that it's like the rebar of the human body. You know, the steel that they put in the concrete that that holds it together when they're pouring a foundation. It's that stuff. It's the glue that holds the human body together. And in his talk on YouTube, Louis talks about how inconceivably big our God is and how He spoke the universe into being, how He breathed stars out of His mouth. And then he goes on to speak of how this star-breathing universe-creating God also knitted our human bodies together with amazing detail and wonder. And then he reminds us that we can trust that the God who did all of this also has the power to hold it all together, especially when things seem to be falling apart. He talks about how our loving creator is also the sustainer, our sustainer through the rough times of life. And then he tells about this substance, laminin, this cell adhesion molecule that holds us together. And he tells about the first time he saw what laminin looked like. And he was really blown away by it when he saw a, a picture of what it looked like. "Wow," he said. "That's laminin? The cell adhesion molecule? Wow, I'm so excited. I'm beside myself. I cannot believe what I am seeing. I'm I love laminin. I'm so fired up." Are you curious? Would you like to see what laminin looks like? Well, here is a scientific diagram of the laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now. Here's what it looks like. Does that blow you away? The stuff that is holding our bodies together. Holding the lining of our organs together. Holding your skin on. Is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Louis says he immediately thought of Colossians 1. Where it says, In Christ, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. And then he goes on to say that he himself is before all things. And get this, folks. And in him, all things hold together. And then in a few verses later, it says that God was pleased to have all of his fullness to dwell in Christ. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things. Whether whether on earth or in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on a cross. What a perfect, powerful metaphor of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Through the cross, he holds all things together. And through the cross, he reconciles to himself all things. And that includes you and me and our relationship With all others. And so I say today. Along with Paul. And along with President Reagan. Tear down this wall. Christ has come into the world. To reconcile us to one another. And to God. And so I pray that you would open your heart this day. To the one who truly holds it all together. And be at peace. Amen. Amen. We have come to that portion of our service where we will observe the Lord's Supper. Um, and When Paul talks about the Lord's Supper in Corinthians, he recognizes that there were some difficulties there. There were some issues in that church that he needed to deal with, and um, there was some disharmony within the Cor- Corinthian church. And so he told them that when they take communion, they did so improperly because love was not there. They were being selfish. They were thinking more of themselves and not enough of others. And so he tells them to examine themselves before taking communion together so that there would be reconciliation. Before taking communion today, I want us to examine our own lives. And I recognize that in any of our lives, at any given time, there are issues that we deal with. There are difficult people in our lives. There are hardships that we face. There are needs of reconciliation in our lives. And so I want us to examine our own lives today and specifically identify those people that we need to be reconciled with. And as we do that, we would covenant with ourselves to seek that, re- that reconciliation. As we take the Lord's Supper, we'll also give thanks for the reconciliation that we have with God. A reconciliation given to us through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ.